Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love you have for us. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be at work. Open up our ears, open up our hearts, open up our minds so that we hear from you. Speak afresh to us and and give us the patience to listen to you. Loving Father, we thank you for the love you have for us. And that every time we engage with you, you want us to know that you love us. But you also want to guide us and help us in this life for the future life that you have prepared for us. Loving Father, speak to us again. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Easter living is for listening. As part of our call as disciples of Jesus, we are called to continue to be listening, listening to God and listening to Jesus. So I have a question for you. How well do you listen? How well do you listen in life? Are you a person that listens well? Or do you find it difficult to listen? Do you get distracted easily? Listening is an essential art for life. There are, in fact, people who make a good living out of helping other people listen. One of the things that um, I often find myself doing as a pastor is helping people listen to each other, particularly in things like pre-marriage counselling. We have a, a program called Prepare and Rich where we help people who are preparing for marriage go through a number of factors of um, preparing and what it means to be a couple. And one of those skills that we talk about is listening to each other, active listening. And what's surprising is you talk to couples and you say, how well do you listen to each other? And sometimes they wriggle on, the, on their chair. Sometimes one of them say, I don't reckon my partner listens that well. And sometimes they say, yeah, we listen well. But when they go through the process, they discover that they're not as good as listeners as they thought they were. Well, here's a few thoughts about listening. Dean Jackson, who works in the area of marketing, says, listening is an art that requires attention over talent, spirit over ego, others over self. Alfred Brendel highlights the word listen contains the same letters as the word silent. Maybe there's something about that. If we go to James chapter 1, verse 19, we hear... Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. A number of other people will rephrase that and pick this up and says, look, God has given us two ears and one mouth, use them proportionally. Mark Twain says, wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you should, you would have rather talked. And quite a number of people say this, Some people listen to reply, but it's better listen to understand. And in fact, I can remember going through university doing some subjects which I weren't really interested in, and I only listened to reply, to give the answers. You know, in fact, I would probably go, what is the the least amount of information I needed to absorb to give back so I could pass this subject, rather than fully understand? And as later in life, you want to understand So how well do you listen? How well do you listen? Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My sheep listen to my voice. How well are you listening to Jesus? As followers of Jesus, it is important for us to continually be listening to Jesus. In fact, if you remember back to Jesus' baptism, the Father, as Jesus was baptised, said, Here is my beloved Son, listen to him. And in today's reading, and if you look at the rest of John chapter 10, but also even look deeper and further, you see there's a group of people who don't listen well to Jesus. And sometimes we pick up their habits. And this group of people are the Pharisees. They actually show us how not to listen well. They demonstrate what it means not to be good listeners. Their biggest problem is they're stubborn. They think they know what God is about and nobody can teach them anything more. They have an attitude of, I've got it already, I'm in, I know it all, I don't need to listen anymore. They have preconceived ideas of who the Messiah is supposed to be. And then Jesus comes along and he doesn't fit that picture, so they're not prepared to listen. And as a result, they listen to judge. And in fact, if you go back from John chapter 5 through to John chapter 10, what you see all the way through, you see little um, instances of the Pharisees being ready, looking and listening to Jesus to find out where he doesn't fit what they believe God's about. And so they listen to judge. They look at everything they don't agree with and highlight that's a problem. Have you ever met people like that? who listen to judge, not encouraging people to be around. And they don't listen because they are threatened by Jesus' way of life. You see, these are people who are absorbed with the fact that God is about the law and therefore they use that to oppress others. They put themselves on a pedestal to actually think they know God better and because they know God better... They can judge others with the law because that's their perception of God. And then along comes Jesus with a message of grace and forgiveness, a message of God's family is broader, not narrower. And they are threatened by that, so they find it difficult to listen. And then they do what other people do when they're threatened. They start to tell others, don't listen, that Jesus is some wacko. That Jesus is demon-possessed, they actually say, so don't listen to him. But there are some amongst them who will say, hold on a moment, he's healed a blind person. Maybe he's not so strange. A bit later on, we find out that they want to um, stone Jesus because they've heard what Jesus says but think he's off. He's not the true Messiah. And so when you think about the Pharisees, it's easy to point the finger at them and say, they don't listen well. But I want to ask you a question. What hinders you in listening to Jesus? Is it something like the Pharisees? Do you have a a very narrow set in your way picture of Jesus? Are you prepared to continue to learn and be shaped by your relationship with Jesus and grow in that? 
Or are you set like the Pharisees? Are you looking to use Jesus to judge others? Are you threatened even by Jesus' way of life? That maybe if you engage with Jesus, he may highlight something where you need to ask for forgiveness or even you may need to think about changing the way you think or act with others. Or perhaps it's none of those things, but maybe it's because you're too busy. You're too worried about what's going to happen after church. You're too worried about life and other things. Maybe you're one of those people who come to worship and go, I've got, oh, at one o'clock I've got to be here or two o'clock I've got to be here and so I'm going to wait and keep looking at my watch or keep looking at my phone to see where the church is finished and therefore you don't listen. One of our biggest barriers, they say, in the Western world of people not listening is we are too busy and we don't be set in the present. We don't be set in the moment and just listen, take the time to listen and reflect on what's being said. And then along comes Jesus and speaks to us. And today he speaks to us through John chapter 10. And what I'm going to do is broaden out more of what Jesus says in John chapter 10. Because John chapter 10, Jesus is really highlighting that he's the good shepherd and there's a lot more to say. And what happens um, in the church lectionary is that each year on this Sunday, it's called Good Shepherd Sunday, and they just give you a little snippet of John chapter 10. But what I want to do is share with you what Jesus says it means for him to be our good shepherd. He starts off, Jesus says, he is our good shepherd. That's a good thing to listen to. Now, the problem with the word shepherd is that it's got quite a number of meanings, both in the New and the Old Testament. One of the problems at Jesus' time is that with the word shepherd, when you hear that, it's like saying, car salesman. tax collector. It's not always a good thing. And Jesus used it to say, good shepherd. But the Pharisees would have heard it in a different way if they knew their scriptures. Because as part of the Old Testament, God had made this promise he was going to come as a shepherd to save people. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10 to 11 highlights this. In other words, he's going to be the Messiah. And this is why the Pharisees had a problem with Jesus. He was proclaiming that he was there, the Messiah, the one who came to save. But he didn't meet their expectations. And as the good shepherd, Jesus says, not only is he a good shepherd, he also highlights that he's a legitimate shepherd, that he goes through the proper way. And he also highlights that as a good shepherd, his sheep hear him and follow him. And he is a little bit offensive to the Pharisees. He does put them down because he does say to them, the reason you don't see me as a good shepherd, you don't listen to me. You know, Jesus has been speaking to them, revealing to them that he is the Messiah, the one God has sent to save people. And the Pharisees continually have had blocked ears at this, probably because of their mindset. But what's important for us is this, that as our good shepherd, those who follow him will be saved 
and we'll have an abundant life. That is the promise of Jesus being our good shepherd. That he will save us and give us an abundant life. The unfortunate thing that has happened is that many people have held on to that abundant life thing and thought, oh, that's only to do with today. So therefore, if you follow Jesus, you're going to be rich, wealthy, comfortable and wise. And so they kind of create this atmosphere that only if I'm rich, wealthy, comfort and wise on this earth that I've got an abundant life. But that abundant life is actually pointing to the future life, the future eternal life that God makes possible for us through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. That abundant life is this life where there'll be no more suffering, no more pain, no more death, no more mourning. And that's possible because Jesus says, as our, he's our good shepherd, that he lays down his life for us, his sheep. And we know we are a sheep because God has called us. And he refers to us as his sheep in the Old Testament as well. And we know that he has not only died for us, but he also rose for us, therefore defeating the consequences of sin for us. The other thing Jesus highlights is that as our good shepherd, he doesn't abandon us. In fact, he highlights that one of the issues for many shepherds, as soon as life gets tough, as soon as things get difficult, they drop and run and go elsewhere and they leave the sheep in a difficult position. But in John 10, Jesus says, no, he doesn't abandon his sheep. And if we think about Psalm 23, as our shepherd, he is with us even through the darkest valleys, the most difficult times. And this can sometimes be challenging. You know, if you've ever experienced a difficult time, a problem time in your life, the question may come to your mind, is God, has God deserted me? Is God really with me? Because our circumstances kind of suggest that I'm going through difficulties and problems. God might not be with me. But here's God's promise. He's going to be with us. He's going to walk with us. And one of the ways we can help each other remember this is to also walk with them. Is to be people who act on God's behalf and walk with people who are going through difficulties. Praying with them, helping them, listening to them. The other thing that Jesus promises as the good shepherd, and this would have been a little bit offensive to some of those Pharisees, is that he highlights that he's going to unite sheep of different pens. And he's pointing to the fact that he is not just here for one select group of people, the Jews, but for all people. And he's going to unite sheep of different pens. And this is important for us as Christians, as we live on this world. It's important for us as we live in this world is God is a God for all people, for all nations. That he unites people for all things. It's not about us doing the same stuff, singing the same songs. That's human form of unity. But it's about all of us focusing on Jesus. Focusing on Jesus for life. And lastly, Jesus says to us, He's not doing this himself. He's not the supreme authority, but his father is. He acts under the authority of the father. He's united with the father. 
All that he does is part of God's overall mission. And so this is one section of listening to Jesus that we see Jesus is our good shepherd, the one who gives us life, the one who won't abandon us, the one who unites us with others and we don't have to be like everybody else. We don't have to like the same food, sing the same songs and in fact we don't even have to have the exact same practices as others. But we do need to be focused on Jesus, our good shepherd, for unity. And all this is the Father's will that we may be one because of Jesus. That when we get to heaven, that every single person will, have, will say, I'm here because of Jesus, my good shepherd. Now the encouragement for us is to continue listening to Jesus, our good shepherd. And so how do we do this? What, are we, what does this mean for us as we live this life? Well, first of all, pick up some practices have some habits of regularly listening to Jesus. And there's three main ways I encourage people to listen to Jesus. One is grab hold of your Bible and read it and study it. Go to Bible studies, be part of devotion, study and read the scriptures. But also find a way that suits you or helps you. I don't know if you've ever tried this, but some people have tried to do, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And some people do it very well. It gives them a nice overview and they're quite comfortable. Others have said they struggle with it because they end up just reading the words but not actually taking notice or listening. A friend of mine who used to teach adult education, um, he was an older gentleman who had come to me, who worked for me, he said, look, Richard, I am frustrated. These people say they hear what I say, they, they can regurgitate the words I say, but they're not listening. They're not taking in the implications of what I say. And so when we read the scriptures, find a way. I I have actually suggested to some people, just read small amounts of scriptures rather than a whole lot if it becomes too much for you. For other people, we can read whole lots. But secondly, also worship. Regular worship is a regular way of listening to Jesus. You see, our worship services are more about what God is saying to us than what we're doing for God. Yes, we sing songs of praise. Yes, we respond to God. But our worship services are more about what God is saying to us. And that's why we have at the end of our worship service here that few moments of silence to to reflect on what has God been saying to you today. And so that means coming to worship with an attitude of asking that one question. What is God saying to me? Being open and listening to what God's saying. And thirdly, and this is a blessing that Luther highlighted from the Reformation, is discussing scripture with other Christians. Discussing the, scripture, the Christian life through scripture with other Christians. He actually called it the consolation of the brethren, which is in, in today's language is talking about God and the Bible, what's in the Bible with each other as Christians. So the first thing in listening to Jesus is to be involved in these practices. If your Bible's closed, if you're not coming to worship regularly, we're only coming out of sufferance. And you're not talking to other Christians about what's in the Bible. It's hard to listen to Jesus. Secondly, listening to Jesus, like listening to elsewhere, needs to be intentional. 
It needs to have this intentional thing, I'm going to listen. So listening to the words that Jesus says, reading the scriptures, but that means taking time. One of the Wesley wives, um, and I've discovered that as I go through history, houses were a lot smaller. So Jimmy, your house would have been a mansion back many years ago. Right, a lot smaller, but imagine being in a house that basically only had a couple of rooms and you had 19 kids floating around, right? And your mum at home. How are you going to listen to Jesus? I don't reckon any of those 19 kids are all going to be asleep at once, or if they are, something's going to go on. Well, what this mother did was she had a time at home where she said, right, I'm reading God's word, I'm listening to God, and she would have her apron and she'd put it over her head and all the kids knew to be quiet. Now, probably in an era that there was consequences if if they weren't quiet, and she would spend that time listening. And that was about him being intentional. Can I encourage you to think of what's the best time for you to listen to Jesus in your private life, in your devotional life? You know, I've discovered that at the end of the day is not a good time for me to listen to Jesus apart from some words of comfort because I don't think too well at the end of the day. I'm pretty tired. But I do find some other times where it's, important to listen, helpful to listen to Jesus. Thirdly, in listening to Jesus, be attentive. Don't rush. Don't be impatient. Take time to reflect on the words. Don't be looking to go, all right, I've got to go at one o'clock and I've got this on and this on. In fact, um, one one person shared with me a story and I didn't realise, he picked up something I said in a sermon, I said, don't plan much on Sunday afternoons after church because that often becomes a distraction for some people. And he looked at me and said, he he kind of thought, that's my problem. I'm always worried about what's next. I'm always worried about doing stuff. Now, some people can have stuff afterwards and they they don't think about it until it comes there. But other people are kind of worried about that. Now, I remember being at a Christmas service and somebody said, oh, pastor, you're going to have to be quick today because I've got a roast on and I've got 10 people coming around for Christmas. My general guidance is we want you at worship. We want you to hear God's word. How about making Christmas lunch an hour later? But take time. Be present. Another quote that I heard about listening, good listening involves being present, being focused. Part of a um, leadership group that had a retreat some time ago, and I've just about finished that. And one of the things they used to do is say, "Look, we've got to be pre- we want you to be present while you're here." Um, and sometimes they'd even take their, my mobile phone off me, so we'd be present. Now that's a problem because I have my Bible on the phone, I have everything. But they said, "We want you to be totally present with us during this session. Don't rush. Listen." There's this model of um, a mode of Bible reflection and training and sharing called dwelling in the word, which seems to be influenced by a group in South Africa, which is just listen, have some silence and then share back with others what you've heard. Fourthly, and this is important for us, listen to what is said. Not what you think is being said, but what is actually being said. Listen to what Jesus actually says or not what you want Jesus to say. And the common thing is I often get is, I've, if God was a God of love, he wouldn't have let that happen. Or he wouldn't say that. But the other one that's kind of the most common thing is, 
Some people will say that God hates money and it's based on a verse in scripture that doesn't actually say that. The verse in scripture doesn't say the root of all evil is money. What it does say is the love of money is the root of all evil. You see, money is a gift from God to us, but when we fall in love with it, that becomes a problem. And so as we read scripture, take the time to listen to what, he, what Jesus is saying, to what God is saying to us. Not what we want God to say, not what we think God should be saying, but what he actually says. But that will create some challenges for us because there'll be some questions that we arise. There'll be some thoughts that we have that we're kind of going, really? Now, there's a general rule in reading the scriptures and that is scripture interprets scripture, which means if you've got questions, go exploring further in the scriptures. Sometimes people can take things out of context. Sometimes people can open up the scriptures, read a part, read a small, and this is a danger of only reading a small bit, and think, oh, that's the message. But that's not the whole message of scripture. But then go and research further, go further. So ask questions. And asking questions could be verbally asking questions. Ask questions of myself, other Christians, and that's why this discussion with other Christians is important. But it could also be researching. One of the best advices that still stick in my mind, if I haven't learned anything from high school, this is the one thing I learned. I had a principal at high school who I discovered many years later happened to be a Lutheran going to another Lutheran church in the area. But at the time I had no idea. And he made this one question. He said, throughout life, you are not expected to know everything or understand everything. But you're encouraged to question and ask questions of those things you don't understand or know. So ask the questions and go and find it out. Go researching. You know, you may spend further time in Bible study and researching. And as you listen to Jesus, understand that God is a God of paradoxes. So he's not just here to comfort you. He's also here to challenge you and will challenge you. He's not just here to call you a sinner He also calls you a saint. So expect to be challenged and comforted. Now, sometimes we can um, be very one-tracked when we're reading the scriptures. I've just come back from a conference of LCA mission and ministry leaders um, in New South Wales and ACT. And we did this thing where um, one of our presenters, Matt Von Stenke from Lifeway Newcastle Church, presented this topic of the importance of questioning and asking questions and doing questions, a little bit different. But what he, what he actually highlighted, he, he, he got it from, a, there's a particular book that he shared with us that said this, Jesus asked 307 questions and answers three. And a person at our table said, that's my problem. I just want Jesus to tell me what to do. I want the 10 steps that Jesus says, do these 10 things. Now, Jesus asked the questions to get us to reflect on our life and and things. And so sometimes we are challenged by, here's what you need to do, and other times we're comforted. Other times we're reminded. Other times we're encouraged to think about life and what he's saying, how that might apply to our current situation. 
And lastly, in listening to Jesus, never give up listening. Never give up listening. Be a person who listens continuously. Because the blessing we receive in listening to Jesus means that we follow Jesus, which means that we get eternal life. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. May you continue to live a life of listening to Jesus, the one who gives you life. And may your listening to life, listening to Jesus, not only give you eternal life, but may it equip you for life now to help others know about this good shepherd. This good shepherd that not just loves you, but loves all people. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of Jesus. We thank you that Jesus is our good shepherd the one who never gives up on us, the one who is prepared to die for us and rise for us, the one who cares for us and the one who gives us life. Lord, help us to listen to Jesus, to listen to his words of life, to trust him and to know that it's only him that gives us life. Lord, help us to listen well. In your name we pray. Amen.